Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. We have a really awesome episode for you guys today. We are interviewing Patrick from a Beacon School, and we're going to even do a whole song-by-song walkthrough with Patrick, and he'll give us his thoughts on each track. We have a bunch of questions for him, and it's going to be a really fun time. So, Nate, you ready to jump into it today? Yeah, let's do it. So we'd like to welcome Patrick from A Beacon School. Patrick, welcome to A Long Distance Listening. Thank you. So just to let you know, because we really haven't talked that much up until now, how I discovered you, and I'm sure this is many people's stories, but it was through David Dean Burkhardt's YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And uh, just listening to It's Late and stuff. And usually, I mean, there's a lot of good artists on his playlist, and on his YouTube videos, but rarely do I find somebody where I love the first song and then I love literally every other song they've made. And I mean, I know you only have one project out, but still, I mean, I was very happy that It's Late wasn't a one-hit wonder or anything. <laughs> I mean, you definitely, you've made, every song is awesome, and uh, I was just wicked excited. And um, just to ask about A Beacon School how you are you were a part of a numerous uh group of projects before beacon school is that correct uh yeah kind of yeah. well i started this one a long time ago and then just didn't do it for a while and that did other stuff so it's it's all kind of at the same time but yeah this used to be just like a more normal band and then it just kind of slowly became just me so, Patrick, I know you played a decent amount of local shows in New York, and you've also played in California. Grind Select, your record label, is based in both New York and California, right? Yes. And how do you enjoy playing live shows compared to writing and recording and production of your music? Yeah, I love doing the live stuff. So I did the record myself, not really thinking about doing it live. So it's been it's been fun trying to figure it out. Yeah. I have uh three of my really good friends helping me right now in the live version. For some of the songs, for like It's Late and Algernon, we're using backing tracks because there's so many layers. We need just too many people and so we're using kind of pre recorded stuff and playing to it. But then for a lot of the songs we're kind of just reimagining them in a more like pared down four piece rock kind of thing but yeah it's been fun do you have any plans to tour in the future no firm plans but it's definitely something we want to do kind of figuring it out i wish we lived closer you're kind of smack dab in the middle of where andrew and i live but your release show i think is going was probably going to be wicked sick so i'm sure you're looking forward to that yeah and we're doing one i guess by the time this comes out we will have done or <laughs> opening for a band called Launder tomorrow, which I'm also looking forward to. So getting into the album of Cola, how much of Cola was created independently and how much did you have others involved? It sounded like you said you just kind of created it off to the side without really knowing what it would become or whatever. Yeah, I, I pretty much did all of it. Uh, by myself on the three new songs there's a couple contributions from my friends 
like on one song, my friend played a little bit of drums over the top of it and on cut through. And then on the beginning of Glue, there's vocals by my friend John. But other than that, I did did it myself. So when you're writing, what tends to come first? Do you write with melody, hooks, lyrics, rhythm? Definitely the vocals and lyrics definitely come last. I'm definitely trying to get better at that. But yeah, I just kind of build it up as I go. Probably start with guitar. It's my main instrument. A lot of layering and looping and just kind of molding it into something. And then at the end, I kind of have to turn it into a song that people you know, recognize. So I add add vocal melodies and stuff but uh yeah it's kind of kind of a relief that the most popular song seems to be the most uh instrumental yeah so there's so many cool aspects of production on the album i read in an interview that you couldn't record drums live and had to use samples which is just crazy where did you end up recording this and who else was involved in the production process i just did it at home both in new york and at my parents house yeah no one else was really involved I just kind of did it. I used a lot of sampled drums that I had recorded myself, so they don't sound like super canned. I just held a microphone over some drums, recorded them, and made a sampler out of it. And uh, yeah. So naming the record Cola, what went into that decision? So the record took so long to make that by the time... I had to name it. I was kind of sick of all the songs. I thought they were just way too fast, way too sugary. And so I thought Cola was fitting because it's just like this short sugar rush of like, you know, super caffeinated music. So Cola is self-deprecation. <laughs> yeah. At its finest. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, that's how I justified it. I'm like, yeah, you know, a nice Cola is good every once in a while, you know. You definitely can't like have it too much. But, you know, a nice little sugar rush. I haven't really uh, taken your advice <laughs> with the record. <laughs> Definitely listened to it too much, drinking too much soda. So I'm also curious about the album artwork. Where did that come from? My friend Sarah took the photo. Ironically, I picked it because I like the colors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I saw uh, on the tape, on the cassette tapes, you have the colors. Yeah. And then on the album cover, it's just black and white. <laughs> yeah, I really liked the colors on it. And then when it came time to put it out, the label, they just thought it was, the image we had wasn't high enough resolution. Mm. And my friend Sarah had lost the actual film. So I just had this digital version. So Kyle at Grind Select kind of came up with this kind of Xerox look to it that kind of hid the low resolution and i i always really like black and white album covers i'd say if you know tony molina or his band ovens it's definitely influenced by that so yeah i just kind of wanted something that was super minimal and like wouldn't detract from the music if not add to it i just yeah. didn't want to cover it that would turn people off so for me i just wanted to make sure it was like at the very least neutral that's a smart decision i mean obviously great album covers are great but you know when you put so much time into the music sometimes it's better playing it safe <laughs> exactly i also thought again going into the idea of reevaluating the music after making it so long ago i thought it was so poppy and sugary that i thought a black and white cover like cut against that nicely so the re-release is on june 14th which might be coming up in a couple days or might have already happened <laughs> yeah. but um uh, what has led you to re-release cola and add three new tracks well when we first 
put it out. We didn't know if anyone would listen to it, so we didn't want to spend all this money and time waiting for vinyl to get pressed. I've been in bands where we press vinyl and then it just sits in a box. That's really depressing. So we figured, you know, let's put it out digitally. It also let us put it out way quicker. I got it finished in like all of the, everything with the album art and everything finished in January. And then we had the first single out in February and released in March. So if we had waited for, I just couldn't wait any longer. I'd been working on it for so long. Just kind of wanted to move on. But then, you know, the album did a lot better than we thought. And Grind Select teamed up with a distribution company called House Arrest, who was interested in working with me. Yeah, and then we just kind of bounced ideas off, and I, I was like, I have more songs from these sessions. So the first idea was just to do like a B-Sides EP or something, and then that turned into, why don't we just make an expanded version of the album and kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Give people a reason to buy the thing after it's already been out for so long. Yeah, definitely. So people can get that on Bandcamp sold by Grind Select, correct? Correct. And it should, in theory, be in stores. If you live in a big city, it might be in a record store. But you can get it online, and I will have I have a bunch of copies for shows. Sweet. Pre-order those before they sell out, people. Come on. Yeah, the, uh, the clear. We did a small round of clear copies, which look amazing, and uh, those are almost gone. So the original record of Cola was very cohesive, despite the songs being made over such a long period of time. And yet, despite adding these three new tracks, it remains that way. And actually, I believe it becomes a stronger album as a whole. And I read some stuff on the interview that Andrew brought up earlier that led me to believe that these newer songs are at least glue, but I'm assuming all of them aren't necessarily new. Would you like to comment on their relationship with the other tracks from a timetable and like an inspiration standpoint and what made them feel like a great fit on Cola? Yeah, I mean, they were supposed to be on the first version. I just couldn't finish them. So they all came about at the exact same time. And like I said before, it just became a thing of like, okay, this is taking way too long. Let's just put out what we have. I think the three new ones... For glue, I basically I just couldn't couldn't write the vocals for all of them. I think I became a probably a better, more confident singer in the time between. So I added new vocals, you know, when we decided to do these. But everything else is pretty much as it was. On glue, I even had my friend John, who plays he goes by J Boxer. He plays in the band Bluffing. I had him do uh the vocals for glue originally because I couldn't figure it out. But then I just, you know, finally got there. So I, the little intro he does is all that's left from those sessions or whatever. But yeah, the, these songs were all in the same batch of songs. Like, they belong with the other ones. So I'm really glad we, we worked that out. I also heard that you have something like over 80 songs in the works now. How do you plan yes. on incorporating some of these tracks into your next album? Yeah, it's going to be the same process, probably just kind of pursuing the ones that still inspire me and that go together. Right now, it's just I have a ton of songs just kind of trying to figure out what the next one sounds like. Originally, I had all these ideas 
for doing like separate releases that were more stylistically cohesive in my mind you know a more electronic thing a more rock thing and then i just was like that's a little absurd i just need to put out my 10 best songs so that's the plan for the next one just the next 10 or 12 best songs i can make that's awesome now that we've got the groundwork covered talking over some general stuff with patrick we're gonna dive deep into cola and talk about the album track by track so don't go anywhere Welcome back. So we're going to go through Cola and the first track is Algernon. So feel free to listen along. So that was Algernon. Andrew, what are your thoughts or questions on this opening track? Yeah, so the song's in 4-4, but the timing throughout the song is very unique and interesting. Is that something that comes naturally to you, or do you have to be intentional about creating music with unique timing? Definitely the former. Uh, I don't really think about it. And that's been a problem when uh, showing these songs, trying to get my band to learn these. It's only when I've been like trying to learn them with other people that we realize some of the timing is weird. But yeah, just no, just kind of do what sounds good. I definitely used to listen to more rhythmically complex music, more math, mathy stuff. I feel like that comes through on this song. But like you said, it's all 4-4. It's nothing crazy. It's got a little bit of a wonky feel, I guess. Yeah. So with the title of Algernon, I was wondering if there's some type of connection between the character of this of that story and the song as a whole, or maybe the lyrics specifically. Would you okay, like to yeah. So contrary to what some people have asserted, it has nothing to do with that song. Okay. It's just based on the band Algernon Cadwallader. Most of the song titles, I just kept the working title. So that song was started out way differently and was just trying to write a song like them. And I just kept fucking around with it. And um, it became like this way different thing. I guess like the lead line is kind of reminiscent of Algernon. And at some point, I'd planned on kind of renaming it but at some point i just kind of took on this philosophy of just kind of i don't know just let it be you know i could form a you know there is some sort of connection lyrically between the two but i just didn't want to overthink it yeah i mean but keeping it creates this like unique story that nobody expects which is really cool <laughs> the next track is i don't believe it All 
right, Andrew, what are your thoughts? So I like how the song still layers as it goes, but it also doesn't mess around either. It just kind of goes right right in right away. This is also potentially the most aggressive song in the album. What made you decide to start this track in this way? Yeah, to be honest, I did this one like in one sitting. My old apartment in like 2013, like all the guitars and everything are like the first take. And it was just kind of... I guess a moment of frustration. The song I'd say is about like a friend of mine being very jaded about being in a band and, you know, he had really tried to make it work and didn't go anywhere. And so like him kind of like putting all that on me and making me think, you know, maybe this isn't the best idea. And so the title is just kind of like a denial. The lyrics flirt with that idea of maybe this won't work out. But uh, ultimately, I get to call it I don't believe it because it's like I refuse to uh, give up. So yeah, it's just kind of like a, like a blast of frustration and panic and anxiety. So the only line in the whole second portion of the track is no nothing, no nothing's meant to be. And this also comes after the transition instrumentally, which completely changes the feel of the song. What made you want to highlight that line? Yeah, I guess that's just kind of like going back to what I just was talking about. I feel like you could take that line either way kind of sounds negative at first but i was meant it more as you know nothing set in stone there's no preordained anything you know so just don't worry about it (laughs) it kind of gets more like mellow and zen and blissed out in that part so that's just kind of the 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 mood there it's just like the first half of the song is like a freak out and then it's like you know what don't worry so next we have the track it's late Andrew, it's late. What are your thoughts? So, Patrick, I love how this song it has such a long instrumental, and you tend to be fairly minimalistic in your lyrical approach and use your voice as like another layer in the music. It's just as important as the rest of the instruments, but not the main attraction. Is that intentional for you? Yeah, it's definitely like I am like begrudgingly the singer in this band. That was never the plan my dream to just be a guitar player in a band so kind of just try and make the music as interesting as possible and use the vocals and lyrics as enough to make it interesting but if it doesn't need anything else i won't just put vocals in so i was listening to this track preparing for the podcast with my wife in the car and my wife tori she's probably listening so she doesn't like a lot of the music i like and so I wasn't expecting her to like uh, a beacon school and I was wicked surprised when she just says in the middle of the song unprovoked, she just goes, this is such a jam. And I was like, yes, yes. I was so excited. That's great. That was how I was feeling on the inside. I just like turned to her gently and just like nodded in agreement and was like, yes, yes, it is. Just trying to play it cool. But anyways, <laughs> there are only a few lyrics on this song, but they are so self-aware. And obviously this track is predominantly, like Andrew said, the long instrumental at the end. But I couldn't help but notice 
at least in my own mind, I made the connection of the significance of the last lyrics where the music grows quiet as you sing so much for feeling grounded and how this line correlates with the rest of the other lyrics of the album and the song. But it also feels like it sets the rest of the song in motion instrumentally from a thematic standpoint. Does that make any sense? And yeah, if so, definitely. would you like to comment or clarify on the relationship between that line and the instrumental that follows? Yeah, no, that you got it. I'd say the the few lines, yeah, it's just about, you know, that tension between the two, like like mini verses there about kind of, you know, shown to the place you fold. That whole thing is about, in my case, what I was thinking personally about was just kind of pursuing my passion or something. And then the second line is about like this guilt about like how selfish that can be like ultimately pursuing one's like creative passion is pretty selfish in a lot of ways it doesn't you know people can enjoy your music i guess that's how you're giving back but it's not really like a real thing and you have to be pretty privileged in the world to uh even have that as an option so it just kind of like shoots you back down to earth and that's that so much for feeling grounded. It's about there I was thinking I had it all figured out and I'm just like a piece of shit who wants to make music. Yeah. And then the rest of the songs just there is a little vocal chop that goes through the song that people have tried to guess what it's saying. So I'll tell you now, it's just my voice saying I want to know just chopped up. So it's just about uncertainty and wanting to know what happens next. The music's kind of got this tension that doesn't really resolve because, yeah, I don't I don't know the answer. Probably still will always feel a little uh, guilty about just wanting to do music when there's a lot more important things to do. Yeah, thanks for sharing about that. So next, we have Heatwave. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Heatwave? So I really love the different instruments that are used in the song. I've tried to find, I don't have the name for it, so Patrick, you might have to help. There's kind of like a wind chime type of synth effect or something. Yeah, yeah. It is maybe one of the coolest sound effects I've heard. It's awesome. It's also, this whole song is very short. After such a long track before, the song feels very short. Was it always your intention to keep it so short? Yeah, the whole idea was to yeah keep everything only as long as it needed to be. I was very aware. I don't have a ton of time to get people's attention. So I just kind of kept it as short as everything needed to be. Yeah, that, that wind chime sound is just like a synth. That kind of sounds like a flute. I really just liked it. I kind of doubled it with a uh, guitar. And yeah, that was the one song that I mixed myself. It was just kind of like a homemade little thing. There's lots of little Easter eggs in there. A lot of sound design of my friends talking and stuff like that. So you basically answered all my questions. I my, <laughs> my way of describing it was some sort of weird pipe. <laughs> and, uh, oh, there seems to be some type of scene carrying out in the hushed background of the mix. And I was just wondering, was it like a random sample from somewhere or something in particular? And you kind of... Yeah, the one at the beginning, the kind of crowd noise or whatever, is just a random sample I pulled from somewhere. I won't say where. <laughs> because it's 
not they don't know <laughs> about <of> it. Course. <laughs> exactly. But the stuff in the in the rest of the song is just I just had like a handheld recorder in the car with my friends and so I just kind of drenched it in delay and reverb and buried it in the song and it's just a nice texture. That's awesome. So next we have J. Cole. Andrew, what are your thoughts on J. Cole? Okay, so I freaking love the timing on this song. It is really crazy. And so my question, Patrick, is, is there like a rhyme or reason to when some of the guitars hit? Or is it almost like a copy and paste timing? Yeah, it's definitely the latter. I just kind of, the song goes through its like natural form a couple times when it's unedited. And then the rest are just the same thing. Just cut. I'm pretty sure I just cut out random parts until there were interesting rhythms. But yeah, we've been trying to, we're playing with a new guitar player and this one's really been tripping him up. And like I said, like I didn't realize how weird the timing was on a lot of it until uh, I had to talk to someone else about it. I was like, I, I, I don't know. Like it just goes like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I play like electric guitar is my main instrument too. And so when I first listened to it, I was like freaking out. I was like, I don't know how he's playing this if it's not like chopped up somehow. And oh, no, I, it was blowing my mind. It's so cool, though. Yeah, that one's all very chopped up, and uh, that was the idea. Kind of just do a more straightforward song that's just completely cut to pieces. So, yeah, and then I can tell you that the end, all the end part is just the first part, just parts from previous in the song that are just like recycled and used again and the reason i did that was because the song if you try and play along to it you'll see it's out of tune so yeah when i first did it i guess my guitar was out of tune and i tried recreating it but i just liked the original version so i couldn't really add stuff without like i could try and match the tuning but like it wasn't sounding right so i just decided to use the existing material to like create the ending so it's like a collage of the previous parts so yeah basically everything on there is just from that first go at it that's so interesting so i'm gonna geek out like andrew did the song makes me smile every time i listen to it just because of how crazy it is um (laughs) also i really do think that your vocals shine on this track from your melodies to your cadences and a general comment, I really do think your vocals on the whole album are very underrated, both maybe by <laughs> listeners and also it seems like from talking to you for a bit uh, by yourself. You do a great job of picking and choosing what melodies to sing. And I just think your cadences are so interesting a lot of the times that I'm always interested by your vocal performance as well as the music. And you do a such good job of interrelating them together and layering them together in unique ways. So don't be a Debbie Downer on yourself. You're <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think I've gotten better over the years. Yeah, I think I agree. I think this song has one of the more strong, the stronger vocal performances, but I appreciate that. So whenever I want to show a friend your project, I usually show this song first because I think it demonstrates a lot of the different aspects that make this album so incredible. But the lyrics specifically, based off of my best job at taking a stab at the lyrics, they talk about the poor timing and uncertainty of a relationship 
followed by the other person leaving. And I think I kind of compare and contrast the song lyrically to a track like I Don't Believe It, where on that track, you are essentially saying, like you mentioned earlier, there are no soulmates or divine paths that perfectly bring <laughs> two people together um, and yeah. provide a predestined and inevitable happy ever after. But to me, the song kind of mourns that reality, that things don't often work out and it kind of sucks when they don't work out. I won't dive deep into the lyrics of the whole project as a whole right now, but on each song, I do think they're very interwoven and interconnected as well. How important was it for you and how intentional were you on lyrically writing a cohesive album? Yeah, probably not super conscious of it, but more just, you know, writing of the lyrics at the same time having a lot of the same worries and anxieties that pop up repeatedly. I will say it's funny to hear you say that because a lot of the lyrics are definitely not about romantic love at all. I don't believe it's more about, yeah, like one's own path. And this one is actually about New York and relationship with like the city and kind of the thing about the timing not being right, more about like feeling like you missed it. So everyone's always talking about, you know, how good it used to be. But I definitely kept everything vague enough to kind of project whatever you want it to mean. So that's just a interpretation. I wouldn't well, say that's well, definitively no, yeah. what it's about. Well, you wrote the song, too. But I mean, it's it's definitely still from what you just said. It's still a relationship song. It's yes. just a totally different type of relationship. I will say, yeah, the, the end part about you going, that is definitely about a person, but more of a friend leaving in this case, leaving the city and moving elsewhere. But I will say, yeah, sometimes I, you know, you revisit your own work and you kind of hear it in a new way. So like what you thought it was about originally, you're like, oh, maybe, you know, it could totally apply to other things. Maybe I'll be right in 20 years. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've definitely like looked <laughs> at kidding. the words or like heard myself singing them at practice or something and kind of been like, huh. Yeah, that kind of works for this, too. Like, I definitely was not writing about a relationship, but maybe I was. Who knows? <laughs> I'm also curious uh, about the term J. Cole and the origin of the term. <laughs> yeah. Again, not a very exciting story. The original name of the song is Jeremy in a Cult, which is just a line from a TV show, one of my favorite TV show, Peep Show. And then the session just became, you know, Jeremy in a Cult, Jeremy J. Colt just became the abbreviation. And like I said, I was like, I should rename it. But then I was like, you know, what? that's just what the song's called. And the kind of chopped up nature of the music, I thought, actually matched it pretty well. Like a chopped up title, a recycled chopped up title fit a recycled chopped up song. Can I just say, I love that your approach is like, oh, I should like kind of like almost fix this like oh this seems weird i should fix it but then i like that you just land on like it's your own music and you can do whatever the hell you want kind of deal <laughs> like i'd love that approach so much kind of yeah i'd say like that as i've been doing this more and more the philosophy of kind of just like getting out of my own way is the overarching thing like i said i probably used to think, you know, I should have like a plan for this album. I should have like a meaning. And then I was just like, just make songs. And because they're coming from me, enough of me will subconsciously, you know, come out and that I should just stop trying to like direct it too much. Just kind of let it be. So our next track is Cut Through.
So Cut Through is the first song on the track listing that's new from the vinyl release, but it's also the last song released of the three as the other two were singles. So Andrew, uh, what are your thoughts? So as I was listening to the whole album and when I got to this song, I literally just wrote down a question, which I'm going to ask kind of facetiously. Uh, Do you hate song structures? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I noticed that too when I was working on it. I was like, this song structure is insane. <laughs> I definitely would not do it the same now, but I think I did at the time. <laughs> it's great though. I love how you change up each song and it's so unpredictable. I think that makes a really unique album that it stands out from so many other albums that just follow a normal song structure. It kind of feels like each song could be like two or three songs, yet it's yeah. still like... <laughs> It's so cool because it works together. So do you find it tricky when you're writing that way? Like, do you feel like you always have to reinvent the song as it goes along? Or is that just natural for you? Yeah. Well, first off, it probably should be more than one song <laughs> it probably should be two songs that's uh, honestly why i didn't finish it I, it's just too many it's, it's like this big jigsaw puzzle trying to fit all the parts together i don't know i guess i, I was just more just trying to write weird stuff for the sake of it i don't know i when i went back and was finishing this one i was just like frustrated with my past self i was like why did you do all these parts because i definitely have showed that song to people and they'll be like oh i really like the second half or i really like the first half but i don't really see how they go together but i thought you know this is how i how i plan to do it so i'm not gonna mess around with it too much i just kind of honored my past self's wishes and finished it to me it is a little crazy the way it's built but whatever <laughs> <laughs> so most of my questions were gonna be what Andrew asked. So I just said, screw questions that I'm just making a, a comment, I guess. So I think this song is a great example of how you don't do what I want you to do. And that's why <laughs> this album is so incredible. <laughs> what did you want me to do? I'm curious. I wanted you to originally. So I love the, fr- well, okay, let me give a little tidbit first, just some context. So on iTunes before, when Just Glue was out, it still let you preview Fade and uh. Nylon and Cut Through, just like a minute and a half segments. So I came into the song with expectations that it would be like the first half because that was the segment that was displayed. But I loved the first half. And then when I was listening to it the first time, when you all of a sudden changed it, I was like, "What? what's going on? Why did you just <laughs> cut it off? Why didn't you add another verse and repeat the chorus? I want more of that. But then when the second part comes in, it's just as incredible as the first, but in this whole new way. And just aff- affirming what Andrew said, I think your song structures are not conventional at all, which can frustrate the listener at first. <laughs> and I think it can probably frust- it probably frustrates you as you're trying to put all these pieces together. Yeah. But what ends up happening with your album and with each song is that I feel like you prove people wrong time and time again. Because that's what you've done with me. like, And then finally, they begin to trust you and are just rewarded with what whatever you have in store with them, which whatever it is, is unexpected. So I'm just very appreciative. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to do it the same way next time. At the very least, going to try and uh, keep songs more cohesive. But thank you. I do appreciate that. Yeah. Definitely no rules. Yeah, and it can be exciting when people do what you don't expect. 
So the next track is a quick one, and it's called Hum. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Hum? So I don't have a question for this one, but I have just a couple overall thoughts, just some things that I love. I love the delay on your vocal in this song. I think it is so cool and extremely vibey. And as I use the word vibey, that reminds me that when I was actually typing up all of my thoughts for this album, I apparently kept using the word vibey too much. And I literally had to add it to my Microsoft Word like dictionary because (laughs) it just kept flagging it. And so I've tried to not use that word too much, but I think overall this whole album has such a cool vibe to it. And it is very very vibey each song in a different way. And even looking at the lyrics, it's hard to figure out the cadence that you're singing and there's some really cool just kind of timing and, and again, just vibes with the song. So I just, I love it. So that's my comment, not a question. Yeah, it's definitely going for vibey. So the main thing I noticed as well, listening closely to the track, was this delay. It's so trippy, but you don't need to listen closely to get kicked in the face by (laughs) the brief but sick instrumental uh, that you use to close the song that includes the beautiful harmonies layered over it. I was going to ask, so there are some songs like this song that you cut shorter than expected. What kind of gave you the freedom to do that with Hum? This is like the one song where I put it later in the album. I felt like I had kind of earned a break, you know, so it kind of takes its time building up a little more and gets a little more hazy and unclear. And it kind of just rattles off these kind of non sequiturs. The lyrics are just kind of like, you know, stream of consciousness, kind of unconnected. And then even though I felt like I had earned two minutes of kind of patience from the listener i still felt like i had to reward them so i just threw in that huge that like smack that comes after and kind of like a classic trick just lulling people to sleep and then smacking them over the head so that was the idea with that one but i also didn't want to overdo it which is why it's so short a lot of people have asked me for a longer version of that but i feel like it'd be less effective if it was longer it's just kind of this burst Does that make sense? Yeah. Next we have Glue. So this was the first single released of the three new tracks for the vinyl release. Andrew, what are your thoughts? So the song is only two minutes and 22 seconds long, but you fit so much into it. I could have sworn it was like four times as long. There's actually only three songs on this album that even go above four minutes. How important is it for you to be concise despite having so many different parts? Yeah, it's super important to me. Part of it was that the band I was in before every song was like five minutes and I felt like it didn't need to be that long. You know, if people really like something, they can listen again. And it's just kind of this feeling of not wanting to waste people's time, I guess, and just kind of trim the fat and make everything as tight as possible. 
I know when I'm listening to people's music, I'm super critical and harsh and have very little patience. So I just kind of like tried to be as hard on myself as possible and, you know, refine everything down to like as long as it deserved to be. Yeah. So I was both surprised and really nervous when I saw this track pop up on my recommended videos on YouTube. I felt like Cola was a phenomenal album last year. The only thing I had wanted from Cola that I didn't get was more. And now that was an actual possibility. But this is also a risk because integrating new songs within an already beloved album might not work if not done really well and carefully. So I clicked and 15 seconds into the song, I'm like, damn, he did it again. <laughs> and uh, after the song was over, I felt the exact same way, maybe even to a stronger degree. What I find most interesting about the song is a line, still tastes like cola. Not only does the song still sound like cola, despite being added, but on the original version of cola, the word cola isn't mentioned at all. And so I thought it was interesting that you reference it here now and not on the original, and even though I know it was written around the same time. And so I guess I was just wondering why you didn't feel the need to use the word directly in the original album, and why you did decide to include it now. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the the album title came after everything else, so that line was actually added, you know, when I started working on these songs again. The album title, that line is kind of... I guess you could say self-deprecating. I mean, the full line is still tastes like cola made too sweet. And that's just one interpretation of that is that the music still sounds too sweet to me. But then it also, you know, in relation to all the other lyrics, it's about kind of a memory and maybe like at first it's like a positive memory. And then when you, it just becomes too sweet, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, enough, enough with the, uh, the nostalgia, you know, you know, things weren't as good. (laughs) as you're making it like and that's what kind of what that line's about it's like kind of almost like frustration with like lamenting the past too much that's very interesting next we have the track stay away but don't don't do that So, Andrew, what are your thoughts? So, Patrick, your guitar tones throughout this album are so good. And I've heard a ton of strat on this album. What guitars are used throughout this album? It's one guitar on this whole album. It's my Fender Telecaster. It's a Tele. Oh, you son of a... (laughs) I was so positive it was a strat, too, man. Uh, Yeah, never been a big guitar head. Been playing for a long time, but never, like... I basically just use one guitar on everything. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the guitar tones because none of these guitars were played through a real amp. It's all just DI through fake amps. But luckily, my I got to give a shout out to my friend Steve who mixed and mastered the whole thing. And he really took it to another level and cleaned it all up. Yeah, he did an amazing job making the guitars and drums sound real or closer to real. So there is this uh, clear juxtaposition in the first and second verse between the lines. 
no solace and decay to find solace and decay. Do you mind elaborating on that idea of finding solace and decay and maybe the journey it might take to get there? Yeah. So I'm going to go back completely on what I said before. This one, this song is definitely about a relationship. <laughs> uh, I think the first verse is from the point of view of one person, maybe the one that's being left behind and the second one is from the other person so i guess that twist on that phrase is like what each person the first person is saying you know this decay is a bummer there's nothing good and the second person's like no like (laughs) it could be good (laughs) yeah so if you kind of look at it from that point of view it's just it's just two sides of the same situation that's really cool i was not that was not my interpretation. That adds a whole new context. That's sick. Yeah. I maybe imagine two different people singing each verse. So the next track, which is uh, the second single released from the re-release of Cola, and also the last of the three new tracks, is Fade and Nylon. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts? So, this might be my favorite guitar layering on the album. I really love the lower guitar parts in the verse. I think they're especially cool. This track also might be the most straightforward track from a song structure standpoint, although there is a major change in the middle. Was this intentional to have a song like this? I guess. It's funny you should say that it's straightforward because uh, I think my band would disagree. We've been... uh, desperately trying to learn this in time for our release show and uh the structure has definitely been tripping us up but it, it, it you're right it does have clear verses and a clear chorus but there's no intention other than to make something you know it's probably pretty obvious on this song that i'm a huge interpol fan i'd say that was the inspiration on this one they used to be my favorite band so it's kind of uh very much influenced by that so, used to be your favorite band. I'm just uh, taking this yes. softball question. Who's your favorite band now? I don't know. I, I don't have favorite bands anymore. I mean, I learned my lesson with Interpol. If you have a favorite <laughs> band, they They'll will let you let down. You down. <laughs> yeah. As soon as they have more bad albums than good albums, it can't be yeah. your favorite anymore. I can't think of a single band that hasn't let me down. And I don't have favorites. I guess the safest bet is to pick someone who's like dead. Or doesn't do music anymore. <laughs> so you can see you can see the whole thing. My favorite current band is probably Parquet Courts. Oh nice. Oh they've done like five albums and they're all amazing. And they're still super exciting and relevant and they haven't lost a step at all. So yeah, I'd say them. Sweet. So building off of Andrew's question on song structure, I'm assuming when most fans first saw the length of the song, they naturally thought Oh boy, this is it's late part two. Oh I'm yeah, so excited. But it's clearly not once you listen. And I think both songs they definitely bloom, but they bloom in completely different ways. Fade and Nylon relies heavily on the guitar and that insanely catchy riff, as well as your vocals, which really tie everything together so nicely on this track. But also another thing in contrast to it's late, there are a ton of lyrics on this track. They are very poetic 
which I think a lot of your lyrics are poetic. I guess, do you have any background in poetry or what kind of draws you to <laughs> writing in that not. style? Okay. Uh, it's probably more just a defense mechanism than anything else. Just not wanting to reveal too much. Yeah. Or say anything too bluntly, but it's funny you should mention the kind of expectation of a second it's late. I felt very nervous. You know, when I when we first did that song, obviously I had no idea that that would be the most popular song. Uh, it's kind of like an outlier. So I didn't have anything else from the sessions that sounds like that. So when we decided to put out three more songs, I was like, oh man, people are just going <laughs> to not get what they want. But I will say on the there's definitely lots of It's Late Part 2s for the next album. There's definitely going to be more electronic influence. But yeah, this one had so many lyrics, which is why it took so long to finish. I mean, there's so many different vocal parts that I couldn't figure out. So many lines to write. I was really happy and proud when I finally uh, got it together. I think it was the last one I finished. That's awesome. So last track is Ash. Listen along. Okay, Andrew, uh, last track, Ash, what are your thoughts? So I don't have any questions for this track, but a couple thoughts once again. I love the fade in in the beginning. I feel like I've never heard that, especially this late in an album. Lots of people fade out, but just like the idea of fading in a song is like just so cool. And I don't know why it stuck out to me, but I loved it. And then for the last song for Fade Nylon, I wanted to ask if you thought about ending with that when you kind of reworked this album. But then I listened to this song and I was like, dang, no, this is like the perfect closing to the album. So I don't have any questions. I just love this as a closing track. That's my only statement. <laughs> Thank you. I definitely toyed around with that idea of closing with fade but when we are adding new songs you don't want to mess around with the structure too much which is why they're all on the second side and we yeah just wanted to keep this as the closer it just felt like the right way to end it's kind of lyrically more encompasses the message of the album more fade and nylon's more specific i'd say in its message but yeah this one felt felt like the closer so i'm with andrew and yourself uh this is a perfect closer track i think all of the songs individually if you released every single song as a single i would still obviously like them all and they're all uh, relatively strong standalone singles but i think certain songs work best in certain places and you definitely killed the song placement on the whole project not just this last song and through the album's lyrics listeners can identify certain relational aspects regardless of whether it's between people or between <laughs> places um i'm just messing with you but um what's the significance for you ending the album by singing we'll be together yeah i think that's just like so much of the music i mean it kind of it's 
I'd say Algernon and Ash lyrically are about the same thing, just missing people. And, you know, it's like that time in your life where people start sliding away. And I'd say that was like the biggest anxiety of my life at the time, just kind of seeing all the directions people were going and trying to keep a hold of people. And so that's just kind of reassuring, I guess, just these people you care about, you will uh, be together. I mean, probably not to be honest, but <laughs> I don't want to put that in a song. But yeah. <laughs> that's just, just kidding. Exactly. But probably not, but no, that's just, I'd say a lot of the album is, is motivated by that, uh, fear of loss and yeah, but it's just well, kind of ending on a hopeful note. Yeah. There you go. It might be a facade of a hopeful note, but that's yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's songs. It's not a one for one, one-to-one relationship between how I okay. really feel. It's like maybe maybe it's a little like wishful thinking and kind of wish it into existence if you uh, think it enough or say it enough. But I think, too, like sometimes when you're feeling those things, just having hope is the only thing that can keep you going. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think of the album as being pretty happy. But now that I think about all the lyrics it's kind of a bummer <laughs> yeah I, I i had a part written that i didn't ask where i was like you have a lot of sad songs on here despite the happy instrumentals yeah i'd say uh, i mean i think that's just the most interesting combination uh i try to make everything not too explicitly one feeling kind of try and nail those in-between feelings which are most you know you're never really completely feeling one way you know it's like happiness tinged with the sadness and vice versa so before we say bye to patrick we're gonna go talk through our favorite tracks real quick so andrew would you like to go first so i think my favorite track is jay colt I can't get over just how cool that song is and just the the broken up guitars and just everything about it. This is a hard album to pick a favorite song, though, because they're all at like a really high level that there's no bad songs and they're all just outstanding. But I, I think the one that just makes me the happiest and just like that I probably listen to the most is J. Cole. How about you, Nate? As you said, there's definitely a lot of competition uh, because you stole Jay Colt from me, I'm going to go with Cut Through just because Wow, it was the one that like surprised me the most and went against the grain the most for what I was suspecting. And so I actually had to like really surrender myself to what Patrick wanted to do. And I just <laughs> felt like there was a great reward when I did that. And I just thought something that I wouldn't like I ended up really loving. And so I think I'm going to choose that track for my favorite. Patrick, what's what's your favorite? I'm guessing not cut through by that response. No, I like that song. <laughs> I'm just I'm so thankful for you both not saying it's late. Anytime someone says they like any of the other songs, it means a lot. Not that I don't like that song, but no, you know, I appreciate people listening to the other stuff. I don't know. I'd say my favorite is probably Algernon, just because I think, I don't know. I just, it kind of marries all the different styles the best. I have a hard time like placing it. It's got a lot of guitar, layered guitars which I obviously love. Yeah, I'm just really proud of that one. But yeah, honestly, as 
cheesy as it sounds and maybe a little conceited, I do like all the songs. Yeah, I just I'm proud of it. Definitely don't want to listen to it all the time. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I am I'm really pleased with how it turned out. And I'm really glad I was able to add these three songs to it before moving on, which I will say I'm very, very ready to move on to the next mm. project. So, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to affirm what you said for me so far. And I am i promise I'm not just sucking up. No, but it's my favorite album released this year. And every song, like you said, is amazing. I and did not say that. I did not say <laughs> that. Every song you said is a masterpiece that cannot be talked by any <laughs> other musician. No, Sorry. I, said I like every song. and I'm Well, proud. I like every song, too. And I know Andrew does. And you really should be proud of the Thank amazing you. work you've done. Not I appreciate amazing. you guys taking the time to listen so closely. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really all I could ask for. It means a lot to have people care about it. Like I said, when I was making it, I had no idea if anyone would listen to it. And it's kind of an insane fluke that it has been heard by people. I mean, just to bring it back to what you said, that YouTube video, I have no idea what happened there. (laughs) (laughs) No one knows. People ask me about it. I have no clue. But yeah, I just got lucky that enough people have heard it. And uh, yeah, I appreciate everyone who listened to it. Well, thank you again. And thank you so much for joining us, Patrick. Yeah, You've been great. We really appreciate it. We don't expect people to listen to our podcast. So <laughs> we have a very similar uh, reaction. So it's so cool when for the people who are listening to be able to experience you talking about the tracks and about a beacon school so thank you my pleasure anytime guys thank you Welcome to our encore. We're just going to close out this awesome episode. We just once again thank Patrick for all of his time. That was a lot of fun for Nate and I just being able to talk to him. Even when the podcast ended, we just had some good conversations with him. Great guy. Definitely check out all of A Beacon School's music. And when he comes around, when whether it's tour or just one-off shows, definitely go check him out, support him. He, he's just a really great guy and makes some really great music. All right, a couple other shout-outs we want to give for this episode. So we want to shout-out Josh Leininger for letting us use his awesome instrumental music throughout the podcast. Obviously, there was a lot of a beacon school in this podcast as well. But some of the other instrumental music that you heard is our good friend Josh Leininger. He makes some really cool music, so check him out as well. Now you can follow us on all of our socials. We have Instagram. Our Instagram tag is LDLpod. Our Twitter is also LDLpod, and you can even email us at listening at gmail.com. So go ahead, check out Instagram, Twitter, email us. Also, if you can like, subscribe, all that fun stuff to this podcast, review it, rate it, all that stuff is super helpful. We just We do this podcast because we love music, we love just showing music that we love with you guys. So definitely help us out with that. Uh, We don't get paid for this. This is just, it's a passion project, just something that Nate and I love doing. So it is very appreciated your help in, in sharing this podcast and all you do to help further the podcast. So thank you for that. Before we leave, we have some final thoughts. So my final thought, I was watching TV the other day and uh, I was on National Geographic randomly 
and it showed some polar bears drinking water. And I was really confused why they would fake that footage because everyone knows that they just drink Coca-Cola. And so I don't know why they went to all that work to fake that, but you know, I don't know. They have their reasons, I suppose. Yeah. That doesn't make much sense. No. So Nate, what's your final thought? I said to the foreman, that sure is a big rock. Boulder, he corrected me. So I stuck out my chest and shouted, that sure is a big rock. (laughs) Uh, I love, I don't know where you find this stuff, but I love it. Thanks for joining us this episode. Have a great rest of your day. Our next episode, we will be reviewing the album Good at Falling by the band The Japanese House. Andy got pop!